Hi there. This is Karen. Welcome to the Woman Inspired Podcast. I'm so glad you joined me. This podcast episode is sponsored by accessmore.com. If you'll hop on out there after you listen to this podcast episode, you're going to find some other podcasts I think you'll really enjoy. It's a safe place to go perusing and just kind of checking things out. There's all kinds of educational, entertainment, um, theological info, sermons, great stuff out there on accessmore.com with some very popular people and some people you may not have heard yet. Uh, and I think you'll want to. So again, I thank you so much, accessmore.com. And as we go on, today's podcast episode is called, Who Are You? Yes, Who Are You? All right. Uh, this podcast episode is also sponsored by me. <laughs> if you want to know more about me and how to schedule me to speak at your event or retreat, you can go to womaninspired.com. That's womaninspired.com. You'll find out all the details there. And uh, uh, there's also a contact link so you can contact me through the website. I appreciate it very much. Today's podca podcast has some pod quotes as usual. And the first one is, whenever you feel unloved, unimportant, or insecure, remember to whom you belong. God. Don't know who said that except me, but I found a quote online. Whenever you feel unloved, unimportant, or insecure, remember to whom you belong, God. And here is a quote directly from Isaiah 43.1. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Have you ever asked anyone the question, who are you? Or somebody asked you, who are you? Not in a, you know, a, well, who are you? You know, what are you doing? Why are you here? Uh, not that kind of thing. But who are you? As in on a really deep level. You know, like, hey, who are you, man? What's up, dude? Um, <laughs> I met a man one time who asked me that question. Who are you? And I knew by the way he asked it that it was no small question. That he was looking for more than I'm Karen. Um, he was a pastor. And he was in prison ministry. He said that this one question, who are you, was absolutely key to doing prison ministry, as he'd found out over the years. Because as he'd found out, most men who ended up in prison had no idea who they were. They had no foundation, no spiritual or eternal attachments, no idea whatsoever what their worth was. They didn't know what their talents were, or, or even if they even had any, some of them, or how their life experiences could help them learn and grow to be the person that they were meant to be. And when I think back on my experiences as a youth and children's pastor, I can say the same thing. I hadn't thought about it all those years ago when I was working with the students, but after my conversation with this particular pastor, it clicked into me. It made sense because, I mean, I knew many of the youth were struggling in various areas. Most of them didn't have fathers at home and had no idea what it would be like to be cared for by a loving father. So the concept of, of a loving heavenly father was really foreign to them. So teaching them that that was a reality and how to embrace it was a challenge. But I didn't minister to them from the mindset of helping them realize who they are. 
but more of who God was. So I did make sure they knew whose they were, that they belonged to the Lord, that they were children of God, whether they embraced it at the time or not. I hopefully planted those seeds. But I mean, just because someone might not know at first that God exists and they belong to him doesn't negate the reality that they actually do belong to him. Just because you don't know doesn't mean that you don't actually belong to God. I mean, if I have toilet paper stuck to the bottom of my shoe when I come out of the restroom, just because I don't realize it's there doesn't mean it's not there. It just means that I don't see it in the moment. And yes, I just equated God to toilet paper. That was no disrespect whatsoever, God. If you hear lightning, thunder, don't worry about it. Anyway, but you get my point. We don't know what we don't know. But that doesn't mean that we can't be made aware of it and have the opportunity to know. That's part of what we're supposed to do as Christians, right? Is share God with other people. Okay, so here we have a common thread in humanity, though. Be it those who have been incarcerated or those who are young with no fathers. And, and from my own personal experience, I can tell you that there are many women who have no idea. Young women, old women, who, who have no idea who they are either. From all kinds of backgrounds, not just, you know, what you might think. Oh, well, they're incarcerated. They must be poor. They must be, um, you know not in a good neighborhood or no, no, no people from all backgrounds. I have spoken at all kinds of churches in, uh, rough neighborhoods out in the country, in the middle of nowhere, in big cities, large churches, wealthy churches, churches that don't have a lot of money. There are people everywhere who have no idea who they are. If you ask them who they are, the answer is typically going to be who they are according to what they do and what their current label is, such as, oh, I'm a mom of three, or I'm a teacher, or I'm an executive chef, or I'm a mother of two, or I'm a wife and mom, or I'm an entrepreneur. And the same thing goes for men. Almost all men identify who they are with what they do, usually their career or their job first. And even if they are, they have a lack of a job, like lack of job status. If, if you ask most men over the age of 70 who they are, they're going to say they're a retiree or a retired veteran or a retired fill in the blank. So often in our culture, we equate who we are plainly and almost solely with what we do. It seems the lack of knowing who we are is more apparent in prisoners and youth. And I think the reason for that is because those populations don't have a career or a title to help identify who they are, right? They don't necessarily think of it in that way. I mean, you ask a man who he is, and he's likely not going to say, I'm Joe Johnson, prisoner at Somerville State Prison. I mean, it's unlikely if you ask a youth, hey, who are you, that they're going to say, I'm Katrina Fredrickson, attorney at law wannabe. Um, they may identify with a school title or a sporting title, like I'm a volleyball player, but that still doesn't identify who they are. No title, no degree, no piece of paper, no marital status or parental or grandparent status tells anyone who you actually are. Yes, in part, what you do and what your title is can help others relate to you and it gives them a little bit about who you are. But when you solely seek to let a career or relationship status or your race or where you live, how you look, what your gender is or how much money you have or don't have, define who you are, that's when it's very apparent that you might be lost. 
totally lost in attempting to maybe find complete significance by defining ourselves according to things that are not eternal is an epidemic. Attaching who we are to things that come and go, that live and die, that are temporary and not eternal is a problem. If we don't know who we are, um, it creates all other, other, other kind of issues in our lives, like low self-esteem, lack of self-confidence, um, lack of strength, lack of focus, inability to accomplish things, inability to keep our relationships permanent and not temporary. It gives us the ability to easily fall for anything or anyone that comes along that we shouldn't even be involved in or with. So when this pastor years ago asked me who I was, I did exactly what I was talking about a second ago, what most of us do. I started with, uh, I'm a wife and a mom. I'm a daughter, a sister, a cousin, and I homeschool our son. That was pretty much my answer at the time because that's what I was doing. Those were the things, the relationships and activities that took up most of my time. And, and so that's how I defined myself. He challenged me with this concept of who I am. And he made me take my time and think harder, pray harder. He challenged me to ask God who I was. And one thing I learned from a dear friend years ago was that when I wanted a clear answer from God, and, and who doesn't ever want a clear answer from God? We always do, right? Um, but when I want a clear answer, I needed to pray for God to show me the hidden things. Show me the things I need to know, good or bad, in full. Show me the things that I can't see right now. Things about myself, about God, about the path he wants me on, about those around me, uh, and, and Lord, convict me as you show me, but show me the hidden things. And so that is how I prayed when I prayed to ask God to show me who I am. I had to do more than just whisper a quick little sound bite up to God, though. <laughs> you know, those little quick prayers. I had to ask and ask again. And then I had to sit and be still and listen. And I had to keep my ears and my eyes and my heart open wide as he answered my big question in some big and small ways over a period of time. I think it was a few months. And as God showed me who I am, it prompted me to write about who I am. Uh, through that process, I had to embrace some things about who I had become at that time that I did not like. Yeah. Once God, once you ask God with an earnest heart, he'll answer you. So I had to see what I hadn't seen before in myself. The good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah the uglier and then decide if who I was and what I wanted were in line with God's word and in line with his calling on my life. It was not an easy process because here's the thing. Once you know, once you ask that question and you know, you can't unknow. So once you seek God to show you who you are, you are then responsible for embracing it making changes accordingly, <laughs> and sometimes walking away from some things and or people that you have no business being around or being a part of. Sometimes you have to completely let go of some desire or dream that you had that didn't align or doesn't align with who God shows you that you are and who he wants you to become. So it's not an easy journey. I can testify to that, but it's well worth it because once you can say that you know who you are, then your armor that he gives you, it gets shinier. 
your resilience is greater, your joy is easier to tap into, and the call on your life is easier to say yes to, plain and simple, plain and simple. So have you ever tried to attempt a feat of some sort that you'd never done before and had no idea how to like, I don't know, put on snow skis and do a high jump, yet you've never even gone skiing before? You'd be scared, right? Nervous, thinking, I can't do this. I'm not made for this. I've never put on skis. I'm a klutz. <laughs> you ask yourself a dozen questions that you have no answers to. What if I fall and I can't get up? Will I break my leg? Does snow hurt like hard ground does? Um, um, if, I'm, if I'm crying while I'm flying down the hill, will my tears freeze? Uh, what about my nose? Will I have icicles hanging from my nose? I, I don't feel confident doing this. Why does anyone even do this? Don't they make skis that are wider than these? What if I hit somebody else while I'm flying down the hill? What if somebody hits me? But what if you know how to ski? What if you grew up knowing that snow is something to play in, that skis are terrific and everyone in your family is able to ski? Wouldn't you feel differently about skiing? Wouldn't you think differently about skiing? Walk out to a ski resort with a different mindset than what you, if you didn't even know what skiing was, you'd have this, oh, holy crap, what am I doing mindset? If you didn't know anything about it, if you didn't know that you could, if you didn't know who you were, you would because you don't know. But when you know, when you know you were born into a skiing family, that this is what you've been around your whole life, that this is a part of who you are, then you would walk out in confidence you would know that you were born into this, that you'd been around it your whole life and skiing was ingrained in you. It was a part of who you are. Same goes for knowing who you are. If you know who you are, if you know how God made you, what he made you for, what your gifts, your talents and your worth is, then whatever you walk into, whatever you have to face, you'll be able to say, okay, even if I don't totally like what's going on, I know who I am. I know where I can turn if things start to go awry. I, I know what I'm made of and I know what I'm made for. I know what strength I have. I know where to tap into it. I know who I am. I know I'm resilient. I know I'm strong. I know I'm unique. And it would make all the difference in the world in how you succeed in this life and on this journey. It would make all the difference in the world what you do when you fall or when you fall short or when you fail, which we all do because that's life and we're human. Knowing that your tears might freeze on the bunny hill and that ski resorts have trained personnel to help you when you fall, just like a pool has a lifeguard, can make all the difference to your journey. So knowing who you are and that God's got you in all of the ski slopes of the world, all of the things, all the falls that you might have and all the tears you might cry makes all the difference in the world how you walk through this life. So I want to challenge you to think about who you are. You might even want to write this down at some point like I did. Some of you might be able to do it in a couple minutes or a half hour, or it might take longer. Others might need to, to, to think about it a while before ever putting pen to paper or fingers to your keyboard. Take your time. I went back and I looked up this little who am I thing, kind of a personal essay that I wrote years ago after speaking to this pastor course, I had to tweak it some because thankfully I've grown spiritually and emotionally since that time. Thank God. 
um, what I thought was important to me then, some of the things I now know are, you know, are absolutely not as important because I've grown spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. My life is a little bit different. I'm different. I've become more repentant, more humble, more confident. The more I've, I've grown in the Lord, the more I know who I am on a, on a deeper level. I'm more realistic and more hopeful at the same time. I'm still not everything I should be, but I am a soul in progress, a child of God who is growing. And I encourage you to do this uh, and then go back maybe once a year or every couple of years for yourself and read what you've written to see how you've changed and how you've grown and then update it. It's an interesting process, really. And for those of you who have no idea where to start except by defining who you are by what your responsibilities, your degrees and titles are, let me point you in the right direction. But first of all, let me say, it's okay, list all of those things, that you're a mom, that you're a wife, that you're on the PTA, that you're that you're an executive director of your nonprofit, that you volunteer here, that you um, you know, that you love to cook, that you're a foodie, you know, what wh- that you're a skier, whatever it is, start with those. Because as those come rolling out, then you've kind of got them out of the way. But those also tell people a little about who you are, right? If you're skiing, um, it tells people you're not afraid of snow, you got a little daring in you. If you bungee jump, then they're gonna think you're a little crazy. That tells people a little bit of who, about who you are. If you say you volunteer at church, it tells people you go to church. Uh, you know, so some of that shows people who you are, but that is not the totality of who you are. So first go to some of these verses in the Bible, Ephesians 2.10, for who we are for, excuse me, <laughs> Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. First John 3, 1 through 2. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. And I will read a couple verses from Psalm 139. I encourage you to read the entire um, chapter uh, Psalm 139. It's not very long. Highlight it, mark it in your Bible. But, but here's one of my favorite parts. Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Isn't that wonderful? Did, I mean, did you know that, <laughs> that you're marvelous? I just want you to know that. So if you start here and you read these passages and you remember our pod quotes, whenever you feel unloved, unimportant, or insecure, remember to whom you belong, God. And Isaiah 43, 1, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. So if you ever doubt who you are, or you come to the realization that you're believing you're someone 
because of what others expect of you or, or how others define you because maybe of your title or what you do for a living or how you look, how many kids you have or, or don't have or by how much money you have or don't have or maybe by who your parent is or your spouse is, then please, please remember that who you are is also dependent on whose you are, not on what you are on this planet. There is so much more to you than the clothes, the car, the makeup, the bank account, the accolades your kids get, and how well you sing in church on Sunday. Those things do not define you. Neither do tattoos or piercings or what kind of music you listen to or what kind of clothes you wear. And your kids don't define you. Your spouse does not define you, nor do they get the credit for who you are. Only God gets that credit. And if you have perhaps become someone you don't like, unforgiving, grumpy, unkind, hurtful, angry, mean, then I encourage you to draw closer to God so he can show you who you are underneath all that outer worldly junk that you've been hiding under. And so he can guide you to become the best that you can possibly become. Having shared all that, <laughs> I'm going to close this podcast reading to you uh, from my own little who am I little essay, little ditty that I wrote. Um, so until next time, I appreciate you tuning in. I'm going to sign off now, but I'm going to read that little ditty right after this. Thank you for checking out womaninspired.com. And I pray that you have a week filled with blessings and peace and a boatload of grace for yourself and for others. Okay. Who am I? I was born right on time and delivered by none. I've moved 39 times. Friends cried when I left, but few ever wrote. I love to write. I'm an avid reader of all things spiritual and anything dealing with Calvin and Hobbes. I can make pudding from scratch and roast the best turkey you've ever eaten, but I can't make hamburger helper. I can't eat a Reese's cup or drink coffee at a quick mart. I love water to fill my squirt gun, to bathe in, shower in, make love in, and drink, but not all from the same fount. <laughs> my favorite color is yellow. My favorite flowers are gladiolas. I don't care about money, though I'm thankful for the daily needs it supplies me. I can shimmy, waltz, line dance, polka, and square dance. Music increases my red blood cell count. I breathe better after I laugh, but sometimes I really long to cry. I eat God's word to sustain me, and I am a hopeful, not hopeless romantic. I talk too much. <laughs> I cry too little. I care too deeply. I leave people little notes. I send flowers and I pray for them. I have a quick wit, squinty eyes, and an overloaded brain. I love to clean, I love to cook, and I will give away my last dollar if someone else needs it. I was made for God, put into ministry, and feel most at home speaking in front of hundreds of people. I sleep with seven pillows and my husband. <laughs> I wake up often, and I long to be held. I cry myself to sleep occasionally, wake up laughing when I have a funny dream, and I visit my parents regularly. I'm a daddy's girl who knows what real love is. I'm a loyal friend, a penny pincher, and a dog lover. Animals flock to me, all kinds. Some men are sincerely intrigued by me, and women either love me or they hate me, rarely anything in between. I wear crazy-looking footwear, colorful panties, and my legs have no hair on them. I have big feet, large hands, and broad shoulders. My eyes are dark, but my heart is light, and I have very soft hair. I've lived in an adobe house, 
I've eaten prairie dogs too and rattlesnake. I've been in all but two states in the United States. And I've been to Canada and Mexico. My dream vacation is a cruise to Alaska and my dream home is a cabin in the woods on a mountain. I'm not afraid to die, afraid to love, and I'm no longer afraid of spiders. I once ran into traffic to save someone else. I've almost died twice, but I'm here for a reason. I've had a brain aneurysm, seizures, a stroke, a broken leg, and two broken toes, but I'm still alive and I still love to dance. I've loved and been loved, but am only truly known by Jesus. I'm a passionate lover, caring friend, and am prone to spontaneous spontaneous bursts of giggling. I've been beaten up, pushed down, and bruised. My emotions have been battered, but my spirit still soars. I've gotten much. I've got nothing. I've been passed over and passed out, but not from drunkenness. I've walked away when necessary. I've never given up, but I've had to let go. I've learned how to listen to people, discern the truth, pray for others, and pray I always know when to walk away. I've broken almost all of the Ten Commandments, and yet people mistakenly think I'm perfect. I hate being compared to the TV character Monk, and my name is PH. My nickname. That's my nickname. My nickname is PH. I love to walk in the rain, dance in the kitchen, make angels in the snow, and hike in the woods. I'm blessed, though I don't deserve it. I am forgiven and not ashamed that I need it because I know how very human I am. I'm thankful to be alive most days, and I know that I'm here for a, a purpose. Does all that tell you who I am? What I like, what I love, what I've done, what I'm labeled, so easily and readily shared. Yet, who am I? With or without all the aforementioned, I am still who I am. I am God's child. Unique, defined by his mercy, saved by his grace, comforted by his spirit. I am called for his purposes. I'm healed by the touch of his hand and led to through the day through the dry lands only to be showered with healing rain. I am I ams. I am chosen. I am adopted. I am undeserving. I am saved. And yet because he made me, no matter who or what others think, no matter who leaves or who stays, who condemns me or who embraces me, I know I am loved. And I have a purpose because of who I am. I am a child of God. I am unique. I am strong. I am forgiven. Again, I know that I am chosen and I am his. <laughs>